Welcome to the Harvard Catholic Conversations with interesting people and dedicated disciples of Christ from the greater Harvard community. Hosted by undergraduate chaplain and almost famous jazz drummer, Father Patrick Fiorillo. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we will highlight the universality of the Catholic faith and how that is uniquely experienced at the Harvard Catholic Center. I have with me here three seniors from the college who each come from different parts of the globe. Pedro from Brazil, Ralph from Syria, and Gabriel from Italy. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank Hello you, there. Father Thank you. Patrick. Thank you, Father. So let's go around the room, just quickly let our audience know your name and, and what you're studying. Hi there, I'm Ralph, and I study computer science, biology, and a little bit of statistics. I'm Pedro, and I do government and economics. Hey everyone, I'm Gabriel, uh, I'm from Italy, and I'm studying electrical engineering and computer science. Now, one of the things I've learned as a Harvard chaplain is that there's no simple answers to that question of what are you studying. So thank you for that list. That sounds all very exciting. So tell me, guys, you've lived together since sophomore year. Yep. And uh, you've probably met before that. So um, tell me about that. How did you meet? Well, I think I met Gabriel the very first week uh, on campus during FIP. During FIP, yeah which is the program for international students' pre-orientation program for us when we arrive. And I met Ralph. You weren't at FIP, right, Ralph? Yeah, no, I did not do FIP. Actually, I did FOP. I was camping. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So FIP is the, uh, is the first year international program. Um, it's a pre-orientation program that starts before the start of orientation week. And it's for um, students, international students, to meet each other and... Um, make quote-unquote families. Uh, Ralph wanted to meet the Americans, uh, (laughs) not the internationals. (laughs) I was was in the wilderness of New Hampshire during that time with uh, 13 strangers. Oh, very good. And I know you have a blocking group now of eight guys, (laughs) a few Americans, but there's some other foreign students as well, right? Yes, yes. So uh, there are eight of us in the blocking group. Uh, There's also Pavel, who is from Poland, and there are four Americans... uh, one from Connecticut, Kentucky, Illinois, and uh, Montana. So quite diverse as well. Well, some Bostonians would refer to those as other countries as well. <laughs> so quite the group here. That's true. Now, I've had the pleasure of coming inside your dorm uh, to bless it, as I usually do as a tradition at the beginning of the school year, is to go around, bless the, the dorms. And I know in your apartment, you, you have a beautiful little chapel altar set up there. Tell me about that. I'm curious. Where did that idea come from? Well, I think it was mainly Pedro's idea. Yeah, so I'm part of this movement in the Catholic Church, the Schoenstatt movement, and one of our tradition is to have a home shrine with the Blessed Mother and the crucifix and an image of our founder uh, wherever we go. Uh, and yeah, we believe there are special graces that the Blessed Mother gives us uh, by having this home shrine or room shrine. And I think this was something I shared with my other friends here. And this would be something that each of you like make a little contribution to in terms of your own devotions and things like that? Or? Not exactly in my case. I have I have my uh my um also a little shrine. It's not necessarily only oh, religious. There's it multiple also... shrines in this part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. It also has um it has a few religious things. It also has some uh, some souvenirs or some memorabilia from like things that I've done back home in Syria. Like some stuff related to Scout. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a Jesuit scout back home, and uh, 
and I think I have some of these um, some of these badges, some of these like medals and whatnot. So I think each one of us has uh, our own personal things in our rooms, but For there sure. was also a common space uh, that uh, yeah we would pray together sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes not. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> nice. So what's maybe an example, whether of your, your shared shrine space or even just in your individual uh, you know, devotional artwork or whatever you have, wh- what are some particular things that you would contribute that might be particular to your own background? Um, so I, I don't think I personally like, contributed like physical objects or um, other images, but we would all like pray together uh, in front of the shrines. Uh, I think also Pavel. Uh, at least uh, in in my room, because we had like two separate rooms uh, until last year. Um, he had another shrine where we would all like pray the rosary together at night. Um, so I would just like participate, I guess, with uh, with prayer. Nice. Uh, well, I'm sure the Polish shrine is is overflowing with devotional images and stuff. Yeah. Uh, as is the reputation for uh, Polish churches, at least around here. Right. Pavel right. compensated for uh, uh, people who didn't contribute to ah, their we go. own things. Okay. Yeah. Great. Uh, so what else? What other things are there in this apartment that reflect kind of your own cultural identity as Catholics? Yeah, so um, in my case, so back home uh, in Aleppo, we also have like a, a small shrine that we have at home. The thing is, I didn't really carry this tradition to here. Um, I don't have necessarily an explicit shrine space. To I have a crucifix that you know my mom gave me and like the other... Um, things that I have from Scout, but also I think the main thing that I that I have in my uh, personal space would be, you know, some artwork that is mainly related to home, like Arabic calligraphy, which is something that I'm fond of and I, that I like a lot to uh, practice, and 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 some other things that remind uh, me of a home far away. Being so far away, have you been home at all since coming to Harvard? No. Wow. I have not. <laughs> it's a big sacrifice. So. It is. It is yeah. indeed. It is a big one. And I think um, I knew what I was getting in myself into mm-hmm. um, as I made the decision to come here. Yeah. And especially now with the coronavirus going around, I know uh, foreign students have, have stayed here. Uh, I was uh, happy to have Gabriel here during the whole lockdown and uh, at all of our masses during the summer when all the uh, students were away. So, yeah, you haven't been home for a while either. Or something. Yeah, I used to go home like two or three times uh, a year. But now mm-hmm. since the coronavirus, uh, I've been here since last January. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was great to have uh, the CSA and to always be able to like find people there that I could meet even doing like, yeah, as, as you said, like during the summer where like most of the students were, were, were gone. Um, so it was great to have that community there. Um, yeah, it's great to have you on campus. Obviously, uh, there, you're not among many. There's mostly just freshmen on campus and then, and yeah. then u- upperclassmen by exception, especially foreign students like yourselves uh, got the uh, uh, exceptional permission to, to stay here. So we're glad you're able to, to, to be here. So what's it like on campus now being mostly empty of your classmates and friends? I think we, at least the three of us, have to be very thankful for having one another during this time because I think because Harvard wanted everyone to be singles, most people would be very lonely during this time. And we all have singles, but we are in the same floor at one of the Leverett Towers and we also have Ryan from Connecticut with us. So it's been truly a great thing and a blessing to have the company of one another during these times. And we're definitely not as lonely as other Harvard students. Oh, for sure, yeah. Like, we've been able to um, 
don't, please, no one tell this to the Harvard administration, but we have a room that was supposed to be locked, that was unlocked. So we turned this into a uh, makeshift dining hall and common room space um, that we use to hang out together and whatnot. I mean, yeah, as Pedro said, we have like our own singles, but we all live essentially within the same suite. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we can like basically hang out with each other as much as we want. Um, so... Well, yeah. thankfully, nobody from Harvard is listening to this podcast, so <laughs> you'll be all set. Now, by the time they're listening, uh, we'll, be, we'll be hopefully into the spring semester and in a hopefully healthier situation. So just to shift gears a little, um, just in, in light of having the three of you here, which is such a unique combination of cultures, it's a perfect example of how the Catholic faith has a unique ability to transcend these natural barriers of language and culture. I think we get to see that on some level here at the Harvard Catholic Center in a unique way due to the people that come to Harvard, like yourselves, from all over the world. And I would even say that the congregation that makes up St. Paul's is probably one of the most diverse in the entire U.S. In fact, a little anecdote, uh, when I first came to Harvard here, I think it was either my first day or first week, our senior chaplain, Father Kelly, was talking about this, and he told me, yeah, at any given Mass, there's 30 different native languages represented in the congregation here. Uh, and I didn't believe that at first, wow. but uh, as I got to know people, that probably is true. And so it is an incredibly diverse place. So, start with Pedro, just by virtue of living here in the United States the past few years, uh, you've certainly experienced Catholicism differently from what you were raised in. Could you share with us some of the more striking differences? Yes, no, uh, the Catholic Church in the U.S. is definitely very different from the Catholic Church in Brazil and Latin America, and that's good, right? As Father Patrick says, that's part of the universality of our faith. Uh, I think the most striking difference for me was uh, the lack of uh, strong Marian spirituality and devotion in U.S. culture and Catholicism uh, in general. Uh, it seems that the Blessed Order sometimes, and unfortunately, in my opinion, uh, rather than being a central part uh, of our spirituality, is always on, on the back, uh, tends to be on the, on the back of our minds and just as, oh, you do all the prayers and at the end, oh, and Blessed Mother, please uh, <laughs> intercede for all of mm. this, rather than having a, a personal relationship with her and seeing her as a, as a mother and educator through your daily life. Now, that shouldn't stop movement that you're involved with. I know there, there is a huge emphasis on Marian devotion, right? Yes, yes. And the, the central part of the movement is a covenant of love with the Blessed Mother, how we can become instruments of the Blessed Mother uh, yeah, to raise Christ in, a, in this world through our daily lives. That's great. Last year, uh, Pedro was our vice president for spiritual formation within our undergraduate community, and uh, you led a Marian consecration uh, process, right? Yes, uh, indeed, indeed. And th- that was one opportunity I had to share uh, this, yeah, my own background with, uh, to contribute to the diversity that St. Paul's Catholicism is. Great. So, Ralph, um, not only are you from a faraway nation, but you also bring uh, your own background of coming from the Orthodox tradition, uh, and particularly uh, the Syrian, no, Catholic. Okay, so Catholic, but Syrian. Yep. Okay, inform me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so technically, yes, I am Syriac Catholic. Um, It's not Syrian, it's Syriac. Okay. Um, 
And, so, and let's inform that. What does that mean for, for our audience uh, as opposed to Latin Rite Catholic? Yeah, so the Syriac Church, um, I think, was founded uh, by St. Ephraim. And essentially, it involves the liturgy is actually pretty similar to the Roman Catholic uh, liturgy, except a lot of a lot of mass is actually done in Syriac, which is a language um, that is very similar to Aramaic mm-hmm. um, and also similar to Hebrew and a little bit to Arabic too. Now, the, the, oh, go ahead. No, and your father is a deacon in the Syriac yes, church, Yes, oh, yes, right? yes, yes, he is, he, nice. is a, he is a deacon. So, yeah, he serves mass and he... he uh, nice, in he, a local parish? Or? Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. It is, it is one of the main, like, Syriac churches. Mm-hmm. Um, in Aleppo. So uh, the Middle East in general is is very uh, religiously diverse in, in, a, in a different way than America. You have, uh, of course, uh, the Muslims and, and Jews, but also many different types of Catholic and Orthodox. So much different probably religious experience there in a sense. Uh, my sense, uh, just being an American, is that people there just have a much deeper uh, religiosity in general. Would you say that? or? Yeah. Perhaps or maybe that's just say, my uh, maybe that's just my nostalgic view of uh, the rest of the world. <laughs> perhaps perhaps that is true, but I, I don't think it's just more religious. It's just religious in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, the region is um, characterized by a Muslim major- majority, right? Um, and then of course there are a minority of Jewish people and 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 Christians, and um, and of course. There are lots of denominations and there are lots of, uh, you know, uh, different backgrounds uh, in in our in our Christian communities. People coming from the um, East, from the um, Orthodox uh, Church, and people coming from you know the Catholic Church, um, Armenians, Greek Orthodox, all 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 uh, a huge mix. Um, in terms of in terms of how different it is, I think I think the main difference is actually. Uh, follows the difference uh, between how much emphasis we place in our communities. So mm. Syria and the Middle East in general is a very collect- has a very collectivist mm. um, culture that is very focused on community. Whereas the United States, uh, much like many other uh, you know countries and the quote unquote West, have have uh, societies that are a little more individualistic. And I think that this difference is actually seen. In, in the way we interact with our communities within their religious context. Well, it's very interesting, and I can see that because here in the U.S., it, certainly in the church, we, you know, we always put so much effort into like quote unquote building community because that doesn't naturally happen to people. In a sense. Yeah, that's you actually have, a great point. You have to kind of make an <laughs> extra step, an extra effort in the Catholic Church in, in the United States to to have that community, whereas. Uh, it's other, a given. Yeah, it just, it just happens given. naturally. You come to the church uh, with that natural uh, desire for that, to yeah. seek that. I still remember after uh, Mass um, in our Syriac church, everyone would go up to uh, like a very large hall with like ping pong tables and with backgammon tables because backgammon, I think, originated in this region. So really? oh. it's pretty big back home. And, uh, and, you know, like they would prepare a lot of coffee every Sunday for everyone. You know, we'd be probably have like 50 people with their kids, um, you know, just playing around uh, and like hanging out after like uh, mass, um, for instance. And there were lots of, of like activities that everyone would just join naturally because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's the way we do it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 
If I may add just something that came to my mind on this difference between what Ralph was saying, the collectivist versus individualistic mentality, I think, yes, this kind of more consumerist side of U.S. culture that mm. the U.S. unfortunately exports yep. <laughs> to other places around the world, <laughs> but sure. it also has a, a deep uh, consequence for the religious mentality here <coughs> that in the sense you can pick and choose <laughs> the religion, right, and pick and choose from different churches, right, so you become a, a consumer of the faith rather than a, a, a receiver so you can always oh, leave the church go to this other one and when it, in in fact it, it becomes an individual choice rather than a, a family experience mm. right and I think this also affects uh, the great levels of uh, inequality and poverty right that you also experience and, and how religion uh, sometimes doesn't even tackle these questions uh, as it should be right? yeah, indeed. Yeah. All right, let's turn now to the Italian here from coming to us from the heart of the church here. Tell us, um, what is uh, Italy's very uh, interesting place? It's, it's the heart of the church, but also it's, it's, it's also very secular today. Um, yeah, but, uh, but you come to us as you are already practicing your faith coming here. So what are some differences that, that struck you? Well, I guess... Um, it seems like in the, the US, yeah, as you said, um, tends to be like a more like religious country. So like, for example, here, something great is that um, um, you you don't need to like, you never need to hide the fact that you're religious or uh, that you're Catholic, that you go to church, even if you go to mass, like, you know, every, every, every week or even more often than that, like nobody's going to judge you if they hear that. Whereas like back home, definitely um, with my friends or like people that I meet, I might not be comfortable sharing that because mm -hmm. there might be like some you know, backlash or yep. uh, something like that. Uh, it, it's not like that uh, I consider like very cool to be religious, whereas here in the US it is. So like that's that's really interesting difference. Um, I'm not trying to go that far, but I'm I'm glad that we've given you that impression. So <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess it's nice. I mean, um, yeah, and also like I guess there's more usually more of a sense of a community around like yep. a church, especially in like diocesan churches. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, people like get together, like do activities together, they become friends, they, um, even when, when you have like a family, you, you meet other families there, um, you stop at other church, whereas like, at least like, like many churches back home, like people just go to mass and then they leave, they don't really know the other people there. Um, uh, must feel refreshing in a sense. Yeah. So yeah, I guess here, like, it's more like, like people uh, that are like in church you, you can find like younger people so i guess that's perhaps the reason whereas mm -hmm. like in Italy, usually like, if you go to church like my my parish back home like you, the youngest people that you find usually are, like 65 or 70. Mm. so like i guess like that might be just like a a generational difference mm -hmm. so you know something you said about feeling free to sort of tell people that you're a religious person that might strike some outsiders listening to this as odd that you're you're a student here at Harvard, which has this reputation of being, you know, the great bastion of, of secularism. So, uh, so you don't feel that sort of resistance uh, here. You do feel comfortable sharing your faith here and, and identifying as religious. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I think at Harvard there's like great respect from uh, people that have different like ideas and different backgrounds, especially in terms of religion. You know, I have friends who are like Muslim, friends who are that are not religious. Uh, you know, friends that are from other religions and mm -hmm. there's a like, great respect from one another. Uh, yeah, I don't think, uh, in my experience at least, like, Harvard has never been, like, uh, a place uh, of intolerance. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Well, that's great to hear. And I know, knowing you guys personally, that you are definitely uh, faithfully bearing witness to the gospel and presenting it authentically to those that you meet. And, and I'm sure that has elicited many uh, interesting conversations with Catholics and, and non-Catholic friends alike. So uh, I just didn't want to let it lie. It's a fun fact that Gabriel actually went to the same high school of recently canonized Carlo Acutis wow. uh, in high wow. school. Okay. Yeah, I didn't uh, know in that. Italy. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's, uh, he's, uh, he's blessed. Or yeah, like, well, it's yeah. not like saint yet. Oh, no, was, oh sorry, he's on his way. He's on his way. Yeah, has been beautified. What was it? Yeah, beatified. Yeah, beatified. beatified. Yeah. I think beatified. it was like final um, stage before canonization. I think so. it was a month ago. Yep, just uh, recently. Yeah, we went so. to the same high school. Yeah. I, wow. I also so. wanted to comment on what uh, Gabriele said earlier. So in my situation, it's a little bit different. Like back home, you know, I think religion is so it's so common that like when you meet someone the first thing you would assume is that they're religious. Hmm. And of course, like how religious a person is varies. It varies a lot. But most people are born in religious families, and so they have had to follow some um, religious, um, some religion or something. Like and then, of course, um, they're left to decide whether they want to be fully committed to this or not at all. Whereas here, I don't think I would assume... I don't, I don't know. I would even. I would not assume anything about anyone's religion here, which is, I think, yeah. It's not. It's not like better or it's not worse. It's just different. For sure, yeah. I think the largest religious group in America right now are people who identify as nothing, uh, especially your age. Uh, so there, there is that, um, and I think that in itself arouses just a natural curiosity because, because they're most of people's peers today are not religious. So mm -hmm, uh, it's mm -hmm. almost an exception. Um, yeah, I so. think curiosity is the key word uh, for describing uh, uh, and echoing Gabriel the experience I've have I've had at Harvard uh, with other people, both Catholic and non-Catholic. I think everyone, regardless of their own background, is genuinely curious when they see that I am Catholic and a very practicing Catholic. And they're I've had a few. Uh, atheist and agnostic friends that asked me to to uh, go to church with me and yeah. they were all uh, uh, very curious including yeah one Chinese friend that had never stepped into a Catholic church for wow. example and uh, yeah I think everyone is just genuinely curious about the other and Harvard does bring very curious friends uh, very curious people here so I think that makes sense that's great yeah. I mean every year we are blessed with several undergraduate students who through RCIA become Catholic, whether through baptism or, or conversion from, from Protestantism. And people always ask me as the chaplain, like, oh, where, where all these kids come from or how does that happen? Yeah. And, and my answer is always simply what you were just saying, Pedro, is that it's usually just uh, students just inviting their friends to Mass, someone's curious, and, uh, and then that just begins the whole process. It's not some um, complicated uh, or nostalgic or view of like, you know, going to Harvard Square and, and uh, shouting out scripture verses uh, like, is, <laughs> like is seen on occasion by some of yeah. our fundamentalist friends. But, uh, but no, it just happens through these relationships uh, and that natural curiosity that forms. So um, as, you, as you graduate in a few months now, you're seniors, what do you think you'll take with you from this unique experience of Catholicism here, both at Harvard and, in, and from the United States? main thing is definitely some very good friends and I hope to be lifelong friendships. Mm. This is, people have definitely been the best part of my Harvard experience. Oh, praise, praise God. Oh, for sure. I agree completely. 
Gabriele, you want to say? Yeah, I guess probably the same as uh, as Pedro. Uh, I guess my my journey in terms of my faith will not stop here, so I'll uh, hopefully keep like growing my faith. And uh, but definitely, uh, I mean, like after like spending four years here, uh, you know, attending a lot of like events and like uh, at the CSA, and also like yeah, having the chance to like attend um, prayers together with other uh, friends and stuff. Uh, definitely, uh, was able to grow in my faith in those four years. So I guess uh, uh, I'll hopefully be able to bring that with me as I graduate. And yeah, and it will, again, like I don't think it will stop here. So hopefully. Uh, we'll keep going uh, and of course it's not just the people it's also the ideas that we've yeah, ex- exchanged course. together yeah. i think in our suite especially we really like to argue so um, i've heard <laughs> <laughs> yeah it doesn't yeah sometimes we even argue just for the fun of arguing because it is it is satisfying sometimes um and so if you win <laughs> yeah, exactly well well usually I, no one I, wins these I arguments most of the time, <laughs> it's very hard for anyone to win these arguments I think most of the time it's for the substance not just for the sake of yeah, arguing. Yeah, of, of course, of yeah. course, of um, course. And so, and so, like, a lot of... I think... So, I, I came here, right? Um, no, no one can ever think that they, you know, they've figured it out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I think, you know, after, like, so many really, like, interesting and, and passionate conversations that I've had with so many people, religious and not, uh, within our Catholic circle or outside of it, I think, if anything, at least towards religion... Well, I guess towards towards everything, right? Like, it, these conversations are supposed to make us realize that we're very far away from figuring out, fi- from figuring it out. Yep. Um, and so, you know, that there is a lot that we need to question. There's a lot that we need to doubt. There's a lot that we need to uh, trust and have faith in and assume and discuss to, to um, get closer. Faith-seeking understanding, as the old phrase goes. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. To echo something that Ralph is uh, saying and that I've I've been recently thinking a lot about is it's that uh, realizing how people change and how I've changed a lot these uh, four years at Harvard and other people have changed as well. And this is great and this is good because it brings hope that people can improve, we can improve and, and things can be better. Yes, as Gabriele would say, Things change very quickly in America. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I think the context was very different. For though. better or for worse. <laughs> well, guys, it's been uh, great having you on the show here and talking about your respective cultures and, and Catholicism. We've been blessed to have you here these past four years. And for me, the past uh, knowing you the past two years since I've been here. Now, you shared with us uh, and one another some profound things about faith in life. Uh, but there's one thing I know our audience is dying to know. Okay. Who has the best cuisine? Oh, absolutely mine. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Mediterranean, <laughs> I'm so sorry, but the Mediterranean cuisine by far is, is, um, is of the healthiest cuisines in the world. Oh, I mean, okay. if you go to most dining halls here, they have, they have like this huge poster. That, that like says Mediterranean like researchers at Harvard like at the Harvard uh, what's it called School of Public Health have found that med- the Mediterranean cuisine which is like vegetables uh, olive oil uh, what's it called I don't recall exactly the the, the, the whole formulation mm-hmm. but 
that it is this cuisine is actually absolutely i am very much willing to concede yours <laughs> might be healthier but mine is still the best <laughs> and uh and it's still the the, the most tastiest one but anyway i i think something i've heard during fip actually so the program for international students that when you're abroad you realize the most nationalistic part of your body is your stomach and oh, that's, yeah, that's funny, yeah. definitely true that's, now yeah, i mean i, I would have so. i would have picked gabriel here if it was really italian i mean that's just like especially for an american that's like that's standard you know yeah, every american looks forward to eating italian food <laughs> in good. italy right so. yeah i guess i i guess i'm yeah I, i'm very proud of italian cuisine but like i i myself um I'm not really good at cooking, so I guess like if you, <laughs> if, you, if, you if you if you oh, speak for yourself. if you taste Maybe it uh, from from me, then probably you wouldn't think that Italian is the best. But if you eat some food that was prepared by some professional cook, then but by the way, like Gabriel and I are on the same team here. We're both Mediterranean. Ah, right. Yeah, I guess yeah. So we both a lot of eat. Common, I guess we both eat. No, but with definitely <laughs> being more times to Brazilian steakhouses than any other restaurants during our time at Harvard. That is actually probably That's true. true. <laughs> I'm sorry, my Arabic friends. <laughs> I've been to a lot of Brazilian steakhouses. Well, actually, only one, but a lot of times. Yes. Oh, good. Well, well, it's all good. Well, thank you so much, guys, for sharing your thoughts. Thanks for joining us. Good luck with the rest of this semester and next semester as you prepare to graduate. Yes, please yeah. pray for us, everyone yep. that's listening. <laughs> Thank you so much Thanks for having, for having us. us. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Harvard Catholic. Please consider supporting us by visiting harvardcatholic.org. We hope you'll join us next month as we continue proclaiming the truth and love of Jesus Christ to Harvard and to the world.